Well, good morning, church. Come on, are you glad to be here today? Make some noise if you're glad to be here. Hey, you're here on a really good Sunday because we're kicking off a new series called I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a moment. Does anybody, do I need, even need to reference how we get the title of this series? Come on. This is the 35th anniversary weekend of the hit Ghostbusters. How about that? 35 years ago, Ghostbusters came out. Actually, today and then in a couple of days, only two times, uh, will they show the original Ghostbusters movie in the movie theater. And so there's a, there's a song in there called I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. And so I want to take the next few weeks and talk about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you more about why in just a moment. But one of the reasons is because of the diversity within our church. If you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, it doesn't take you very long to recognize that this is an incredibly diverse congregation. Is anybody thankful that this mirrors what heaven looks like? Come on now. And not only are we diverse in our, our ethnicity and race, but we're also incredibly diverse in our generational diversity. There are young families and older families. There are hundreds and hundreds of kids that participate in Go Kids every week. And then we've got an incredible senior adult ministry. I mean, when you look at the spectrum of diversity by way of generations here at Go Church at both of our campuses, it's beautiful. It is. But we're not only diverse in race, we're not only diverse in age, but we're also diverse in our faith upbringings. Our church is a collection of individuals that come from all different types of experiences and upbringings in their faith. Uh, I've done this before, but I want to do it again, just kind of prove a point here. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you fall into any one of these categories. If you grew up Baptist, raise your hand. Come on, that's me too. Baptist, that's the majority of you right there. How many of you grew up Presbyterian? Raise your hand. Come on. I got one of them here. Two people, Presbyterians. God bless you. Glad you're here today. How about non-denominational? Come on, if you grew up non-denominational, a couple of you. How about Methodist? If you grew up Methodist, keep your hand up for a moment because there's very few times that a Methodist ever raises their hand in church. And we just wanted to witness this. Thank you so much. Love. That's a joke, by the way. Come on, have a little fun. How about Catholic? If you grew up Catholic, okay? Some, some of y'all are raising your hand for all these. <laughs> all right, how about Pentecostal, charismatic? Raise both hands. Come on now, both hands. So I'm in the air. Exactly. And you can see even that our diversity in our faith upbringings is across, is across the board. And then many of you, you can raise your hand for this. You didn't grow up in church. Is that you? You, did, you didn't grow up in church. And so now all of this is kind of new to you. Now, there's a beauty in diversity. There's beauty in diversity. Give me a good amen. amen. But diversity can also present challenges. Diversity can also create some confusion and misunderstanding and even some misconceptions if we're not careful. And, and, and church, that's one of the reasons that I always have a desire to take some series in the year and talk about the Holy Spirit because of those faith upbringings, because of those religious backgrounds, or for those of you that you're not familiar with church, we come to the table and we have, if not careful, a skewed view of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of that is because of the way that it was presented to us in that faith upbringing. Some of that is based upon how we interpret, you know, a particular passage of scripture or multiple passages of scripture. But these backgrounds can create some misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is and then also what the Holy Spirit does. 
Now today, if this is okay, and probably the whole series, I'm going to do a lot of teaching and I'm going to give you a ton of scripture. Is that all right? And so, so really, if we're going to, if we're going to be as biblically accurate about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, it even starts with the title. Starts with the title, I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. Okay, because and I hate to even challenge the, the scripture this way, but this, this word ghost is one of the most inaccurate translations about the, the third person in the Trinity. A more appropriate word is spirit. And, and really, even the English word spirit is a word that we just kind of made up because we didn't really know how to describe, watch this, what the New Testament Greek word is pneuma. Pneuma. Pneuma literally means this. It means a breath of fresh air. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, okay, and, and some faith context as we, we identify him as the Holy Ghost, more appropriately though, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the pneuma of God, the, the breath of fresh air from God. And you've heard me say this before, but imagine that your life is kind of like a sailboat, okay? The, the Spirit of God, the pneuma of God is the wind in your sails to give you the power. Y'all going to help me today. I know I'm teaching, but you're going to help, right? Just making sure. So it's the, the, the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God in yourselves. And there's so much misunderstanding about, about the Holy Spirit. There's so much misconception about the Holy Ghost. And, and those misunderstandings aren't unique to this society alone. If you go back to the early days of the church, there was some confusion uh, about the person of the Holy Spirit. I think almost every time I've ever taught about the Holy Spirit, at least in recent years, I've used this particular verses of Scripture, these verses of Scriptures in Acts chapter 19. Let me show it to you. Beginning in verse number one of Acts 19, the Bible says that while Apollos was at Corinth. Now, Apollos was an evangelist. He was preaching the gospel. He went to Corinth and Paul, the apostle Paul, took the interior road. He arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So Paul finds some Christians. That, that's important to what you're about to see because Paul ran into some believers in the faith. And watch this. And when he ran into them, he asked them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. And they answered this. They said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We, we, we never even knew that there was such thing as a Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit. And truthfully, this is thousands of years ago, but I, I think this is the challenge in so many Christian churches today. A lot of Christians don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit and so many Christians, we're good with the reality of God the Father, okay? And we can accept the reality of God the Son, but we put a period there. We stop there. But let me tell you something. That ain't all. That ain't good grammar, but that's good preaching. That ain't all. We've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times Christians don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit because nobody has ever told them about it. Or they've stopped at their study to learn more about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I just be really honest? Is that okay? Nod at me if I can. Even if you don't nod, I'm going to be honest anyway. But I want you to write this thought down because the Lord dropped this thought in my spirit. Write it down. If something is written in the Bible, it matters. 
Come on, give me a better amen than that. If it's, if it's in the book, it matters. It really matters. So, so let me say it like this. Just because you don't like something that you read, or just because you don't agree with something that you read, or just because you may not fully understand something that is written doesn't mean that you've now been given the authority to disregard the portions of the Bible that you don't like, you don't agree with, or you don't understand. It don't work that way. If it's in the book, it matters. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well, right? And watch this. It, it blows my mind. Now, I'm not responsible for any other churches than the campuses that God has given us leadership under his leadership to oversee as the shepherd. But watch this. It blows my mind how many churches and how many pastors, they decide what parts of the Bible they're going to teach their congregation and not teach their congregation. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say all of this to you like this, and I'll point the responsibility back on me. It's not my job as a pastor to try and protect you from the scripture. It's not my job to try to protect you from the scripture. At Go Church, and if you're new here, this is really important, so you need to hear me. So lean in for a second. At Go Church, we engage in the scripture because if it's written in the Bible, it matters. And I said this, but over 800 times from Genesis to Revelation, we read about the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we see the Ruach of God. In the New Testament, the Pneuma of God. So you and I don't just get to pick and choose the parts of the Bible that we want to believe in or live out or teach on or receive. If it's in the book, it matters. I told somebody recently, they said, okay, I love that at the movie series, what's next? Now, so I'm gonna tell you what's next. We're gonna do a series called I Ain't Afraid No Ghost. We're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit. And the person responded this way. Listen to me. And they said, but the church is growing. There's a lot of new people here. A lot of new faces here. Are you sure that you want to tackle the topic of the Holy Spirit? And I said this. I said, I am sure. And then I said this. And here's why. The church is growing because of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. I said it. If you, think, if you think the church is growing because of me, stick around just a little bit. The church is a spiritual organism, and it's the Spirit of God that is moving in our worship. It is the Spirit of God that is moving as we preach the message. It's the Spirit of God that's in our small groups and all of our gatherings. So, yeah, I'm sure that I want to talk about the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit who is at work. Come on, are you with me today? So, so here's another reason. Another reason I want to teach on the Holy Spirit is because of the misconceptions, because of the misunderstandings, and because too many Christians are relying on their own power in order to accomplish their purpose and their destiny. So, so we are spinning our wheels in exhaustion because we're relying on our own power and our own strength and our own ability. Now, again, that's not anything new. This happened to the church at Galatia. The apostle Paul got really worked up in his letter to the Galatians because he was frustrated because the people in Galatia had the wrong idea about the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. They understood the role that the Holy Spirit played in their conversion experience. 
They understood the role that the Holy Spirit played in their salvation experience, but they were missing out on his role as a helper in their ongoing life as a believer. So they understood it is only by the Holy Spirit that we can be drawn by conviction to say that Jesus is Lord. But let me tell you, the purpose of the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop at your salvation or conversion experience. God says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you some reasons why in a moment. But you can't just stop at, well, I'm, now I'm saved, so the work of the Holy Spirit is done. Once we get saved by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, now the work of the Holy Spirit has only just begun. So Paul got frustrated because they didn't understand the importance of the Holy Spirit as a helper in their ongoing life. And watch what he says. Galatians chapter three, verse one. He says, you bunch of morons. Don't you love how kind and gentle some of Paul's writings were? He says, you foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Listen to me. I don't ever want us to fall into the category that we have the misunderstanding about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to draw us into a right standing with God, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit if we are determined to stay on the straight and narrow. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way that we can overcome the trials and the temptations and the test of the enemy is to be filled with a power that is far greater than our own. Come on, give me a good amen right there. All right. Take a bunch of notes today. Take a bunch of notes today. Let me give you some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this. The first misunderstanding, the first misconception is that the Holy Spirit is an it. I've taught on this before, so this may sound a little repetitive, but you need to know that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, and he is God. So the Holy Spirit is, is not an it. So the conversation about the Holy Spirit should never be what is the Holy Spirit, rather who is the Holy Spirit. And here's why this is important. Write this thought down. Because if you see him as a person, then you will relate to him personally. Do you see that? So if you, if you uh, see the Holy Spirit as an it, uh, as some cosmos being, some, then, I don't know why I did that, but I felt the need to do that. Thank you. Then, then you will never be able to really connect to him. But if you see the Holy Spirit for who he is as a person, then you can connect to him personally. And this is a huge gap here because I think that for many of you, you can connect to the idea of God. You can connect to the idea of Jesus as a person. But for some reason, we just think, and maybe it's that word ghost, that the Holy Spirit is just kind of, oh, I did it again. But when we see him as a person, then we can relate to him personally. Now, let me teach for a second. Write this down. If you are a Christian or as a Christian faith, then you need to know that we have a monotheistic view. Okay, here's what that means. It means that we believe that there is only one God. Come on, give me an amen. amen. There's only one God. 
We don't worship the God of the sun. We don't worship the God of the cow. We, some of y'all worship the God of Target, but not us. Okay. We have a monotheistic view. We believe that there is one God, but we have a Trinitarian theology. So we believe that there is one God, but this one God exists in three co-equal, co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not, is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you a diagram, and I'm going to ask that you take a picture of it so that you can study this at, at your own pace and time, okay? It's important because at first glance, it can seem a little confusing, and I don't have a ton of time just to sit here, but really, this explains in detail our monotheistic faith with the Trinitarian theology. We believe that there is a God. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. But the Father is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. It's one God existing in three persons. Do you get that? Everybody got a picture of it? Because that's important. So we've got this faith of one God who exists in three persons. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God in the Trinity. Now, if you're listening to me talk, or you're looking at this diagram, and you're sitting there thinking, What? Like, I, I, that's so confusing to me. Like, I, I don't understand anything that you're saying. I think part of that is okay. Now, I want you, I want you to study it. I want you to look at it. I want you to, to, to read scripture about it. But the Trinity is really beyond our capability to fully understand. Because we serve an infinite God, and yet you and I, we've got a finite mind. So yeah, there should be a stretching of our faith there. Let me give you this. Here's another misconception. Okay, the Holy Spirit is weird. You've heard me say this before also. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Come on, give me a better amen than that. If you're sitting next to somebody weird, say right here. No, don't do that. Don't do that. So it's not the Holy Spirit who is weird. I've been in ministry long enough to tell you it's the people. There are some weird people in churches around this world that abuse the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say something. And for some of you, this may offend you, but so be it. If you ever attend a church service or a gathering where the people are so wild and so out of line and so weird that all of the attention and all of the eyes in the room are looking at that individual. That is not the Holy Spirit at work. Here's how I know. Because when the Holy Spirit is moving, he gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all the attention. Come on and help me for a second here. It's all about him. Now, now I want to challenge you for something. Okay, I wanted to challenge you with this thought. Don't let a few crazy folk distance you from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't let a few weird people keep you from tapping into a power in the Holy Spirit that you and I so desperately need. Is he supernatural? Yes. Is he omnipresent? 
Yes. Is he God? Yes. Is he weird? No. No. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Here's another misconception. No, not only is the Holy Spirit weird, but the Holy Spirit is scary. Here's the whole reason that we named it this series. I ain't afraid of no ghost. The enemy has done a really good job at packaging the Holy Spirit in churches in such a way that scare people off. Honestly, the enemy is doing everything he can to scare people away from who they desperately need. If you don't believe me, just Google Pentecostal church. Click on some videos about Pentecostal church. And one of those videos, you're going to come across some backwoods church in the hills of somewhere where a pastor, even this morning, deep down in some sack by his pulpit, pulls out a copperhead snake. And he's going to say, by faith. Do you know the Greek word for that? Do you know what the Greek word for that is? Dumb. D-U-M-B, dumb. Write that down. Write down. That's called dumb. And do you know what they call a pastor that operates in that kind of uh, faith? Dumber. So you got dumb and dumber. So now, so now Pentecostal churches have been attached to snake handling. Well, I, I'm, scared, I'm scared of that. So am I. Ain't nobody got time for that. If you don't believe me, uh, again, Google some churches. Or you, you've been to some churches. There have even been moments in our own church where during worship, people get, people get out of their seat and they dance. <gasps> no. Watch this. You've even seen pastors, even on our staff, lay hands on people. They've laid a hand. How are you going to touch me? Laid hands on people. And when the Holy Spirit is really moving, those people have actually even fallen down. Now, in some other churches, not this church, but if they don't fall down, they'll push them down. They'll help them. Like, get on, get on down there. Right? It's a little, a little sweet. You do a little switch. And now all of a sudden, wow. hey, there have been moments that you've even heard somebody pray in tongues. And here's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to see all of that, whether it's a genuine move of the Holy Spirit or even when it's abused. And, and there are times that pastors and churches abuse the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy wants you to be scared, wants you to be afraid. It, want, it wants you to be nervous about this Holy Spirit and who he really is because the enemy knows that if you can get past the misconceptions of the Holy Spirit being weird or scary, you will tap into a power, come on now, that will help you accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. And this is what I believe. I genuinely believe that the more you learn about who the Holy Spirit is, you won't run from him in fear, you'll run to him in faith. Come on if you believe that. The more you learn about the Holy Spirit, he's not weird, he's not scary, as you dive into scripture, you won't be scared and run away from him in fear. No, you'll run to him in faith. So now I need to answer, who is the Holy Spirit? Then who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you a few things here. We'll see how many we can get through. The Holy Spirit is my power. Well, that was weak. Let me, try, let me try it again. He is my power. Yeah. yeah, there it is. 
He is my power. One of the, the foundational chapters in all of the Bible is the birth of the church in Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 1. I wish I had more time than I have, but let me try to give you some context here and also stay on track with my, with my time. But, but God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus, okay? Because he knew that we would need to be saved from our sins. We would need a rescuer. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. Uh, he lived on this earth. At the age of 30, his ministry began for three years. He, he walked the earth. He performed miracle signs and wonders. He raised up disciples. During the Last Supper, he warned them of what was going to happen. Judas betrayed him. Jesus goes to the cross. He's crucified on the cross. They take him down from the cross. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, up from the grave, he arose. Come on now, you with me? After Jesus comes back from the dead, he walks on the earth for 40 days. Somebody say 40. He walks on the earth for 40 days. Again, he's popping through walls. Okay. He's showing up unannounced. He's in this village and that village. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of appearances Jesus makes uh, performing miracles and supernatural signs. And then he gets all of the disciples together and he says, hey, I'm, I'm leaving this world. And in John 14, he says, as a matter of fact, it's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, then my father can't send to you a comforter, a counselor, an advocate. So Jesus says this. He says, I'm going to go, and I want you all to go in an upper room, and I want you to wait for the gift. What's the gift? The gift is power. He says, I want you to go in the upper room, and I want you to wait for the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit that was promised by my father. The disciples were in that upper room for 10 days. Somebody say 10 so Jesus was walking the earth 40 days after his resurrection. The disciples waited in the upper room 10 days. 40 plus 10 is 50. That's the Greek word penta. Penta means 50. And it's our root word of being Pentecostal. Do you see that? So now Jesus says, wait in this room and I'm going to fill you with power. This is what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, and you will receive, somebody shout power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, it's on you now. Watch. You need to go. I'm glad we're called Go Church. He says, all of you, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go to Jerusalem. You're going to have to go to Judea. You're going to have to go to Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And that same message is true for us today. He says, look, you're going to have to go to Germantown. You're going to have to go to Sharpsburg. You're going to have to go to Brooklyn. Come on, somebody, by faith. You're going to have to go to Chicago. You're going to have to go to the ends of the earth, okay? But in order to accomplish that, in order to pull it off, you're going to need a greater power than what you possess. So wait for the gift. Wait for the Holy Spirit so when you tap into the power, then you can step into your full potential. Y'all not listening, are you? I told you I was going to teach, but I feel like preaching just for a moment. I, I got a really great gift this week in the mail. Um, how many of you like gifts, by the way? You like gifts? Uh, every gift is a great gift, but sometimes you got to buy yourself a gift. Come on now. Come on. Every lady should have said amen because I know you just bought stilettos. But I got a gift. I've had, I've had my iPhone for years. For years I've had that old iPhone. And I've been waiting for the right time to get a new iPhone. And this week, the iPhone 11 showed up at my front door. 
When, when, when the UPS guy dropped it off and rang the doorbell, I answered the door. I felt the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Shh. I got the iPhone 11. Now, now, for those of you that are Android fans, you're going to debate what I'm about to say, but just go with the flow for just a moment. This phone's capacity is to be known as the greatest phone of all time. I mean, on the, back of this, on the back of the iPhone 11 is three different camera lenses. As a matter of fact, I'm taking pictures of all of you right now and uploading it on Snapchat and YouTube. Wake up. <laughs> its capacity is unreal. Its technology is unmatched. There's never been anything like this iPhone. It is state of the art. And really, at the end of the day, Apple continues to set the standards of technology. Okay. The thing about this phone, though, is this. The battery ain't charged. I, I can't even turn the phone on. Now, I can walk around and say, I possess an iPhone 11. I, are you hearing where I'm going? I've got an iPhone, I got an, I got an iPhone 11, and it can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But if it doesn't have power, it's pointless. Come on now. And I think that this is so many Christians. We walk around touting, well, I've got this and I've got. If you don't have power, you, you don't have anything. Come on now. And, and at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is like a fully charged battery. And, and when you tap into the battery, when you tap into the power, then you can accomplish everything that God has destined and designed for you to accomplish. But until you tap into power, it's pointless. So the first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is my power. Somebody say power. Here's the second one. The Holy Spirit is my inner voice. This is who the Holy Spirit is. Is this good today? All right. The Holy Spirit is my inner voice. Now I want to read to you a verse where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. By the way, have you ever seen a picture or a painting of the Last Supper? Raise your hand at both campuses. You ever seen a picture or a painting? You got an image of the Last Supper in your mind. So the Last Supper was on, uh, on Thursday night before Jesus goes to the cross. And have you ever wondered, what did they talk about at the Last Supper? Well, I'm going to tell you. They talked about John 14, 15, 16, and 17. John 14, 15, 16, and 17 is the conversation at the Last Supper. You can read it and watch this. Jesus at the Last Supper has a conversation about the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit is my inner voice. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says about the Holy Spirit that when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So this word convict is not the same as condemn. It's the enemy's job to condemn. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And he says, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, there will be this inner voice on the inside of you that will convict you, will convict you in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And, and listen to me. You've got to get familiar with this inner voice. You do. And every day of my life, I am learning to tap into the ability to discern the inner voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. 
You know, I, I try to come up with a couple different stories to share, and, and zero of these are to brag on anything about me, but I'm really trying to be sensitive to this inner voice in my life. And there, there are dozens of moments that I could share with you, but let me give you a couple that are just recent. A couple of weeks ago, I was, on a, I was uh, uh, traveling somewhere, and I don't remember exactly where I was traveling from, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, when you get off the plane, call so-and-so. And I thought, well, that's strange. I don't even have so-and-so's number. You ever have that happen? So I tried to disregard it. And I heard the Holy Spirit again say, when you get off the plane, call so-and-so. So when I got off the plane, I did a little research. I got so-and-so's phone number. And I'm not going to say who so-and-so is because so-and-so may be in this room and I don't want to embarrass so-and-so. <laughs> so I made a phone call to this individual and I said, I don't know why, but... On this trip, multiple times, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I needed to call you. The person on the other end of the line didn't say anything. They just wept. 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 Like a dry, heaving type of crying. I can't believe that you would call me. I am at the lowest point of my life. Today is the anniversary of my spouse's death. I've contemplated everything about my own life, even taking it. Thank you for calling me. A couple, a couple of weeks later, um, I was in the middle of preaching in one of our gatherings here. And I looked up and I saw an individual's face in the second gathering at that time. And the Lord said, when this gathering is over, run out there and say that you're praying for that person. So as soon as it was over, Pastor David helped me to get to the lobby. I went up to this person. I said, I don't know why. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And they wept and said, tomorrow I'm going to have to go to the doctor. They think that I might have cancer. I'm so glad that you're praying for me. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is this inner voice? And if you'll just lean in and listen, the Spirit, the Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will will direct you. Come on. And those stories are just a few stories. And if I had time to pass the microphone around, you could tell even more powerful stories about the inner voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks to you and convicts your heart. I wish I had time to tell you more, but I'll tell you one. I even shared this with the staff. Not long ago, I was watching one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And I heard the Holy Spirit, that inner voice say, you can't keep watching this show. You can't keep watching this show. And I was like, yeah, but this, this is funny. It's funny. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. And ever since then, I ain't watched that show. And I'm better for it today. I'm telling you. It's the Holy Spirit, this inner voice. I got to move on. I wish I could stay. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. So here's what I mean by that. You're listening to me teach today, but all throughout this message, it's the Holy Spirit that is actually telling you things that you think that I'm saying that I'm not actually saying. It's the inner voice telling you what you need to hear. You're hearing a whole different sermon than I'm actually preaching. And you're like, man, this guy is good. It's not, it's not me. It's your teacher the Holy Spirit. What you can read the Bible and get your own revelation because the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Here's a verse right here. First John two 27, but you have received the what? And he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. There's a high school student listening to me right now. That's gonna have a hard conversation with her math teacher tomorrow morning. 
I don't need to learn anything. The Holy Spirit teaches me everything. You still have to do your homework, young man. For the Spirit teaches you everything that you need to know. Let me give you a couple more. They'll come to the music here. Watch this. He is my guide. He's my guide. John 16, 13 says it like this. You write this down. He is my guide. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So even the Holy Spirit will tell you what the future looks like. He'll, he'll guide you and tell you, hey, I'm, I'm taking you places you never thought you would go because he's our guide. As a matter of fact, let me give you one story here. July 12, 2012, Kimberly and I were serving as the student ministry pastors at what was then the South Metro Ministries, this church. We were living in one of the, the parsonages that the church owns. We were, again, operating as the, as the youth pastors. And God, this, the Holy Spirit, God was speaking into my inner, inner spirit through that voice that he was preparing us for transition. So on July 12th, 2012, in the middle of the night, I woke up. If you've been through Move Track, you've heard part of this. I woke up and the Lord led me to Matthew chapter 28. It's the Great Commission. And I read these words, therefore, go and make disciples. And on July 12, 2012, I woke Kimberly up and I said, hey, the Lord told me that we're about to go. And she said, where? And I said, I don't know yet. But I know we're going. Okay. Now, over a series of, I'd say almost a year and a half, give or take, I tried to manipulate the plan of God. My family will tell you, I wanted so badly to go to New York City. I flew Kimberly up to New York multiple times. We looked at places to live. We talked to the Church of God Administrative Bishop, which is how our denomination works. Uh, we looked at potential storefronts on where we could plant Go Church in New York City. And I, there's a part of me that really believes that one day we'll have a campus in Brooklyn, New York. I really, truly believe that. And I, I'm going I'm to I'm fight and pray for that until the day I die or Jesus comes back. I wanted to go to New York City, but God didn't guide us there. In the middle of that praying, we got a phone call. And Pastor Allen, who's my father-in-law, I don't even know if you remember this, but in the middle of that season, we got a phone call from the largest church of God in our denomination in the United States. Over 10,000 people a weekend, and they offered me a job as the youth pastor. And the guy that called was the executive pastor of the church. And here's what he said, JC, we want you to come name your salary. I felt the Lord on that one. At least I thought I did. I'll, I'll never forget. You remember this, babe? I walked into the house and I told Kim, I was like, you'll never believe who called. I said, so-and-so church called. They said to name our salary. I was like, girl, we going to own Target, baby. And Kimberly said this, what did they say when you told them no? And I said, well, what had happened was I didn't. I didn't, I didn't tell him no. I told him we would pray about it. And she said, and this is what she said. She said, we have been praying about it. And that's a no. I was like, you better be careful talking to me. The man of my house. 
So then out of nowhere, my father-in-law got a phone call from Bishop Tom Madden, who spoke here on first Wednesday. And if you were here, such a powerful word. He's a great man of God. And he called my father-in-law and he said, hey, I think that JC and Kimberly should move to Germantown, Maryland. Start Go Church there. Kimberly, you remember this? We got on that airplane. We visited that uh, community of people. And when we left, we got back on the airplane and we both said, that ain't it. As a matter of fact, we took out a napkin and we folded it a few times until there were four boxes. And in those boxes, we put all the options that were in front of us. We could stay at South Metro. We could take the job as the youth pastor at the largest church in our denomination stateside. We could plant a church in New York City or we could move to Germantown. And we made a pros and cons list. And that Germantown, Maryland box had the least amount of pros and the most amount of cons. And we said, that, that ain't it. But can I tell you, look at me. He is my God. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, our family began to pray and they begin to fast. And in September of 2013, we moved to Germantown, Maryland. We started Go Church and God had blessed that work and continues to bless that work. And watch this. 2017 rolls around and I fly here to hang out with my father-in-law, scored a couple of tickets to the Masters, the golf tournament, the Masters. So I said, hey, I got a few tickets to the Masters. I, I'd love to take you because I'm your favorite son-in-law. And uh, he agreed to both the tickets and me being the favorite. We went to the Masters, we were hanging out and out of nowhere, he says, hey, on our trip back, he says, hey, he said, I'm thinking about semi-retiring and uh, I think you should come back home and take over the church. And I told him I was nervous, literally I was nervous and I kind of laughed a nervous laugh and I said, I don't think that's what God wants. And then he says, eh, I don't either. Mom just wanted me to talk to you. Look, I'm giving you a six-year journey, a six-year journey, and I'm standing right here in front of you. And, and th this is what I want to say. On paper, all of those options may not have seemed like the best option, but when he is your guide, and I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, he leads you, he guides you, he directs you. The Bible says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord because he will guide you. I got to move. I wish I could stay there, but I got to move. Watch this. Let me give you one more. He is my friend. He's my, you can talk to him 24, seven, 365. And watch this. He's my best friend. I talk to the Holy Spirit more than I talk to anybody else. And this type of friend is the type of friend that will never stab you in the back. Come on now. Let me give you a verse here to back this up. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God. And watch this again, where so many people put a period, but there's a comma. Okay. We get the amazing grace of Jesus and we get the extravagant love of God, period, no period. It's a comma and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is why when we baptize, and you heard this at first Wednesday at both campus, typically we baptize. We baptize you in the name of the Father who loves you, the Son who gave his life for you, and the Holy Spirit who is on the inside of you. Watch this, and I, and I gotta close, but watch. See, God is on his throne, and Jesus is at his right hand. 
But the Holy Spirit is the intimate friend on the inside of you. He's your best friend. And this is why you need a friend like this. And I'm going to give you a few different reasons through John 14. Because he's a helper. He's a comforter. He's your advocate. He's your intercessor. He, he's your strength. Watch. He's your standby. He's right here. He's your standby. Watch. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. One more verse here. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. He is your friend. So I got to close, and I'm going to close by saying this. You ready? I'm going to give you a verse and then a closing question. Ephesians 4, verse 30. I'm going to give you the message translation. So let me wrap up week number one by saying this. Don't grieve God. Don't, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. That is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. And watch this. You ready? Look at this last line. Don't take such a gift for granted. God gives us the gift of salvation. And I'm thankful to be saved. Come on. But he also gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit because we're alive and we need a power. We need to possess a power so that we can step into our full potential and accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Last question. Both campuses, our worship teams are moving. Our campus pastors are coming. Are you taking the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted? for granted, either out of a neglect to know more about this person or a refusal to tap into that intimate friendship with the person? Are you taking the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted? You know God the Father, and you know God the Son, but do you know God the Holy Spirit? Don't take that gift for granted. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment.